Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Good morning. Welcome. Um, I'm so happy to be here. We've got our full team today, and it's uh, January 2020, and I have Ariane and Katie and Joanne and Jennifer and Blair and Lindsay. So we're the whole team is here. Um, and if you're curious about who we all are and you want to put a voice to a name or to a face, you can uh, you can go on our website and read about a little bit about each of the members of our team here. So I just wanted to talk about speaking of all our team here and, and uh, this community of our Talking Joy women, and I just thought I would read this to you by Henry Nowen. Um, he says that community is like a large mosaic, and each little piece seems so in- insignificant. One piece is bright red, another cold blue or dull green, another warm purple, another sharp yellow, another shining gold. Some look precious, others ordinary. Some look valuable, others worthless. Some look gaudy and others delicate. As individual stones, we can do little with them except compare them and judge them and their beauty and their value. When, however, all these little stones are brought together in one big mosaic portraying the face of God, uh, who would question the importance of any one of them? If one of them, even the least spectacular one, is missing, the face is incomplete. Together in the one mosaic, each little stone is indispensable and makes a unique contribution to the glory of God. So this community of Talking Joy, this fellowship of these people who come together, um, hopefully we make God visible in the world together. So um, that's why it's important that there's a group of us and not just one person talking and that we're, we're all gathered here together. So thank you. Um, the one thing that I wanted to talk about today uh, is um, practicing self-compassion. Um, and I led a few groups this week uh, talking about, you know, a lot of years people pick a word or a phrase for the year. Have you guys done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very common. People, so last year my word was light. What was your word last year? Last year my word was um, calm and empowered. Okay. Too. Yeah. And I think we've talked about that maybe on one of the podcasts um, so having a word or a phrase is really great. I, I love that. It can be your mantra or it can set the tone for the year. But one year, um, my daughter Meredith in 2013 thought that it would be fun to, she named it the year of Yom, the year of Meredith. And I thought that it was, you know, really cute. But it became everything. She was like, oh, wait, wait, we have to do that because this is the year of Yom. <laughs> so it actually made the year exciting. So in the groups that I led earlier in the week, I handed out a calendar of 2020 and I wrote down on there the year of Y-O, and then you were supposed to put the first initial of your name. So mine is the year of Yop, which is the year of Pam, and your The year of Yoa. Yoa. And so it was silly. Katie, you were yeah, there? Yeah, it was Yak. Yak. Yoj. Yoj. And Jennifer. Same. Yoj. Yob. Yol. Yol. And as silly as that sounds... Um, it's just fun to to kind of make a game out of it, but what I really wanted people to focus on is that idea that you can't drink from an empty cup. 
And so if I don't care for myself, and we talk about that a lot, if I don't care for myself, I'm not compassionate to my own self, then, I, then I'm not as worthy to go out into the world and try to, to, try to help other people. Um, how many of you, when somebody in town uh, is hurting in some way, you know, run to sign up for that meal train? Like quickly, of course, or set it up, or set, <laughs> or set it up. Yeah. And but yet, when I need something, you know, I might be the last person to ask a friend or tell somebody that I'm hurting or that I need help. And so the idea of this being the year of Yop, which is the year of Pam, um, you know, I'm going to practice self-compassion uh, to myself first. So I gave out a lot this week. I had a lot of activity with giving out with groups. But then yesterday, you know, I set the afternoon aside for myself and did something that, that I wanted to do. And so there was a balance. And often we're depleted. That's that, that empty cup that I'm talking about. Um, and this great book, uh, The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion, um, Freeing Yourself from Destructive Thoughts and Emotions, it says, why is it so hard to extend the same kindness to ourselves that many of us gladly offer to others? Maybe it's... Because in our conventional way of thinking that we tend to view compassion as a gift and bestowing it on ourselves seems selfish and inappropriate. So the minute I thought that I was going to say, oh, it's the year of Pam, doesn't that sound a little selfish? But being self-compassionate is self-care, not selfish. I'm caring for myself. And so I thought today we would talk about some of those ways that we can do that. I know that a lot of you already do that in your lives, I hope. Um, and so... Uh, one of the things that, that I would say is that if you're listening, to just choose whatever practices you hear that help you the most, whatever feels most natural to you. So you're not going to force anything or try to add on new things. That's why so many of the uh, weight loss goals and I'm not going to drink or whatever you say, and then two days later you're, you know, you're back at it. Um, so layering things to, onto what you already do. Um, so... Uh, Spirituality, according to the UMCSH, is about seeking meaningful connection with something bigger than yourself, which can result in positive emotions such as peace, awe, contentment, gratitude, and acceptance. If you're looking forward to getting more in touch with your soul, performing more spiritual activities of self-care can be very helpful. Um, and the first thing on the list is uh, contemplation. Do you guys know what that means? mindfulness taking a moment to pause mm. and reflect on what's going on rather than just doing thinking thinking and and really being deliberate yep. about what you do and I think that real spiritual transformation happens in that pause in that just before I'm going to react to something just before I'm about to step out the door just before I'm about to greet my family just before I'm about to get irritated with somebody at a store it's in that pause that I can be contemplative and then react. Yeah. So what, what other ways can we practice contemplation? To set an intention for the day. Yep. You know, after the alarm gets up, goes off, rather than immediately jumping out of bed saying, what's important for me today? What's on the docket? Yeah. And how do I want to approach this? Not how do I want to just accomplish, but how do I want to feel how do I want to make those around me feel and and really try to be deliberate about it rather than just going going which is a lot of times what I end up doing yeah. <laughs> yeah. also maybe setting your mindset towards um, 
I get to versus I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, thinking about as you wake up in the morning, instead of, you know, thinking, oh, I have to do, I have to take my kids to school and then I have to go grocery shopping, you know, yada, yada, yada. You can think more, how lucky am I that I have children that I can take to school and that I have a nice car that I can drive them in and that I get to go, I have money that I can go grocery shopping and buy whatever we need. Yeah. Yeah. So being grateful. Yep. So contemplation involves thinking consciously about something, studying and musing over it, usually something worthwhile and important pertaining to life and meaning. When this kind of reflective activity goes very deep, when a person becomes still and highly focused as they ponder, the ego dissolves temporarily and the contemplation becomes increasingly like meditation. And solution to life's problems sometimes appear spontaneously at such times. And so for me, and I've, I talk about this a lot, that um, I get up in the morning and I have a special room and I pray. And it is my absolute lifeline, but it sets the intention and the tone for the day. But I, I receive all of these things by reading spiritual things. I, you know, have reflective uh, time. I, you know, um, you know, look at life differently. I get inspired. I... Um, you know, then might go out and share what I learned with my kids. I might react to somebody differently because of all of that. Um, so contemplation can be um, done anywhere at any time. You know, it's a great place to do that is in the car when you're just driving along. Um, so where are some of the places that you all practice that? You do yoga, Joanne. I mean, don't you, wouldn't you consider that <clears throat> contemplative? Oh, absolutely. It's almost meditative, too. Yeah. It's like moving meditation. Um, and so what's really important about what you just said there is that your body is in movement with your mind right. at the same time. With my breath. With your breath. Which is our life force. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so a man who realizes the potential of his mind by means of introspection and contemplation does not lack self-confidence. He has control over his mind and he's able to realize his full potential. Um, the next thing on the list is uh, spending time in nature. And so I asked a group of 25 women the other day if they feel like they connect to God or their higher power in nature. And every single woman in the room raised their hand in, you know, to say yes. And so why do you think we feel that way? I feel, yeah, go ahead. I feel like God is nature. Nature is God. We are part of nature. We are all one. We're all connected. And I think when we go outside in, in nature and in the world, and almost see how small we are, but also see how we're all connected and how this world is just this big, beautiful place. I feel like it's very spiritual. Because nature is not man-made, at least, you know, so to speak. And so that is like the question is where did it all come from? How did the, how does this intricate world work and you know what is our part of it that's not we don't know where that came from so that is spirituality all of it the beauty of it the The sunsets the grass the trees yeah it's all and I feel like even when we're indoors perhaps it's too cold to go outside but just I try to be like bring my children the awareness of just acknowledging the moon for instance like yesterday the moon was beautiful so Mm -hmm. we all like gathered around in my daughter's room she's got a beautiful view of the um you know like the reservation and um, just in reminding, it's it's also one of the few moments, too, we talked about in our group, where if you are able to be outside and kind of like tune out the distractions and the noise of, you know, 
uh, every, every our, our day to day. So it's like a rare moment to be quiet and just hear and perhaps like your ears are, you know, listening to the sounds of nature versus the sounds of like man-made things. And it's, it's definitely for me, it's the, it's the, the time of day that I feel the most connected to God. Mm. And, and that's it, a very common statement. You know, a lot of people say that, um, yeah. So on Monday afternoon, so I led our Monday group on Monday morning and on Monday afternoons I usually work out and I was about to work out and I saw a police officer walking up my driveway and he didn't look like, oh ma'am, I need to tell you something. He was shaking his head like he was going to tell me something that wasn't good and I was like, oh gosh. So I jumped up and, and ran to the door and opened it and and he said, you know, I, I need to talk to you about this. There's a store in the next town over. And he said the name of the store. And I had just shopped there. And I was like, oh, wow, do they think that I stole, like, some clams or something? <laughs> clams for dinner. And, and, and he said, no, I need to talk to you about the wood. And <clears throat> there had been wood in the dumpster at the back of this store. And my older son, who's a biology major, um, collects wood to use for, like, field studies. And... He took the wood, and I was with them, and they had us on count, <laughs> and because it was in the dumpster, and uh, so I didn't even know he was talking about it first. And I said, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "Oh, this is a big misunderstanding." I said, "You know, I wasn't stealing anything, and and it was in the dumpster." And he said, "You know, we saw you." He said, "They had cameras back there." <laughs> he oh said, "Did you go to the dry cleaner?" And and it was the most rattling experience because he said, "Do you do you realize that this is a fourth degree, like you know?" Um, larceny theft or something like that. From they could monster? I think you have to ask permission. And, you know, I did say to my, and here's your intuition goes in, in, into play here, because I said to my son twice, don't you think you should run into the store just to be sure? Mm. Well, it ended up, it all worked out, but it was rattling because, first of all, I have never stolen anything in my life. It goes against my my nature, and, and I'm just you know, very honest, and so I was, first of all, I was so embarrassed, I was really embarrassed, and he, he couldn't have been nicer, and he said, look, you just call and apologize, the owner, and uh, offer to pay for it, which we did, and it all turned out fine, but can you imagine how I felt, so first of all, I was supposed to, I was supposed to go work out, which, which is one of my spiritual practices, and, and especially after I've given it a group and led a group, I like to go, so guess what the first thing I did was, I grabbed my dog, as soon as he left, because my husband was in a meeting, wasn't answering his phone, so I couldn't really tell anybody about it, and I'm embarrassed about it, so I kind of <laughs> had to process it. So I grabbed the dog, and I went out into nature, and I walked, and about a minute into the walk, a massive hawk flew, like almost like I could have reached up and touched it, right over my head, and when I looked up at it, right when I looked up, the house, my favorite number 17, I looked up and the house number right in front of me was number 17. And I was like, oh, all's well in the world. Like, it's okay. But I went out into nature because I needed to think. I didn't need any noise. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I, I didn't know how it was all going to play out, but nature healed me. And I, when I came back, I was refreshed. And then I talked to my husband and my husband ends up, he went to high school with the guy who owns the store and he called him and they all had a good laugh about it. And it all worked out. It's the best medicine. <laughs> but it's the yeah. best medicine. It was like bomb for me and that otherwise day. Otherwise, you would have gone to the gym. You probably wouldn't have taken that yeah. time to be in nature. And here you've, you're expressing feeling even more fulfilled in some ways because yeah. of Yeah, what and you processed it. And I processed yeah, it. I mean, so, so look at all the layers of, all, of everything that it, 
that it did for me. Startled to see a police officer coming up the driveway. First of all, I thought he was going to tell me something <laughs> awful. Um, your heart races. Yeah, and, your your yeah. adrenaline is pumping, and then and then the embarrassment and and. Uh, so anyway, it says here that spending time in nature is one of the best spiritual activities for self-care that we can do to help us achieve optimal well-being. And a study shows that spending time in nature dramatically reduces stress, and it's also an anti-inflammatory. Mm. So, And I was feeling a little inflamed <laughs> yeah. when, when that happened. And I don't think I've ever... Have you guys ever had anything like that happen, a misunderstanding? No, but I know that feeling yeah. of just being like embarrassed, a little shaken up. You know, you're like... Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you, and then you realize it was really not a big deal, it. but you needed that a moment to be like... That was awkward. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever gotten pulled well, over? If you've yeah. gotten pulled over, even if you haven't done anything, I know right away. Your body. You're like, oh my gosh. Should I cry? Calm Should I cry? Down. I know. I do. <laughs> calm down. What you didn't do anything wrong? Like being sent to the principal's yeah. office or something. Yeah. Where exactly. you just. Yeah. Like, oops, was I speeding? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or just being misunderstood. And I was, you know, my house is on a main street. Yeah. And I was like, people are driving by right now see me out front talking to the police officer. <laughs> um, but I, anyway, I went to nature. I went to find God. I went to connect. I went to, to decompress, to, you know, understand what just happened, how to think about what my next move was going to be. And I think that before I practiced spiritual practices, I immediately would have told everybody the story. I would have looked for affirmations like, yeah, it was in the trash. Why wouldn't you take it and, and, and get everybody to agree with me to make me feel better about it? And instead, now I have these tools in place and I'm better able to go out and work it out on my own and then approach it with like a, this mature sort of thoughtful self instead of being a reactive, emotional mess over something like that. Can you guys relate to that? Which I also yeah. feel like is such a better process because, you know, sometimes we have an issue or go through something and we talk about it with other people and then they might make you feel even worse about it mm. or better about it. You never know what kind of reaction you might get when you talk to somebody else, but when you think it through yourself, I feel like... You know, maybe you can calm yourself down and put your imprint on whatever just happened and let that be okay and let right. it go. Because you know? at the end of the day, the person you're going to potentially talk to about what you went through is only going to hear one My person inside of you. So <laughs> right. it's great when you need, if you need that validation, I mean, you're going to most likely get it. But at the end of the day, you're only going to, the person is only hearing you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what happens. Really I run around for looking for that validation to say, oh, well, it, it was there for you. Why right. wouldn't you take it? And but, but in hindsight, the police officer, own. I'm sure he's probably thinking the same. He's like, well, like, he has a whole other perspective on it. Right? He couldn't have been nicer about it. He said, look, it was in broad daylight. You clearly were just <laughs> going to the dry cleaner. It wasn't like you showed up in the dark at night. He's like, we knew it was something, simple explanation of, you know. And I, cause I, you but they were looking for me, like, not my son. Like, what, what is she <laughs> I, doing? I was driving the getaway car, so they, they came looking for me. <laughs> but were they looking to collect the wood? That's what. No, I'm I think that they let you know. Just to let me know. And he, he asked me, he said they're not going to press charges. Thank goodness. Oh, and to, to apologize. I know. How fortunate that we live in a town where uh, that's the biggest problem. It's true. I mean, come on. It's true. We, we don't have but dumpster divers. Another thing, here. too, though, I think to Joanne's point that if, if this is, I think, a great topic, if this is okay, um, is just the importance of like bonding, um, not over like your. I actually was listening to a really interesting Brene Brown interview recently with mm -hmm. Kristen Tidbit, and she spoke about how like the research that she's conducted shows that we as humans 
aren't capable of bonding over like a dislike or like something negative that someone else has done, right? And it's like a it's a human reaction. If you yeah. feel like misunderstood, it's human it's a human instinct, I think, in some respects, to go to other people who might potentially have your side or have some perspective on the matter. But what's interesting is her research actually shows that that's not a true connection that you're gonna make with someone else. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're, deal, you're you're talking negatively about somebody else or there's an right. issue that you work through, that that's great that you're talking about it and you feel on some superficial level that you're connecting, but it's not a true connection. Right. It's an instant connection, but it's not a real connection. It's not I a almost real feel like connection. sometimes you're forced Absolutely. into, if someone tells me a story and, they're, and I can tell they're looking to feel better, sometimes you're forced into saying, I agree, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was the right way to do it. And then you're like, oh, it really wasn't though, maybe, you know, but you don't want to hurt their feelings right. or make them feel worse. So you're almost forced into giving them this fake affirmation. And so, yes. and I hate that feeling yeah. too. Yes. And the difference was instead of looking for that affirmation or looking to tell somebody or immediately calling, you know, my best friend to say, oh my gosh, the police were just here. No, I went out and cleared my head. That's the difference. That was the spirituality of, of how I reacted to it. And I would not have reacted to that 20 10, 15, 20 years ago. I really wouldn't have. I would have been very emotional and it maybe would have made me cry. And But I think that practicing spiritual practices has given me strength. And I know that my cup is not empty if I'm going out into nature and connecting in that way. Um, so thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, so go out in nature, people. And it's so easy. And, you know, I was thinking the other day too um, that a lot of these things are free. So you can just get outside. You don't have to make any great arrangements. And if you have little kids, you just throw them in a stroller and go. Um, and it's supposed to be 65 degrees here tomorrow. So, um, But I was also thinking that pets are a great way to get you outside. If you have a dog, you have to walk them. Um, and, uh, and the other thing that I was thinking about, or I've thought about this so many times, is I walk my dog a lot in the woods down across the street from my house. And it's really muddy and a lot of the boy scouts have put like little wooden bridges down i don't know if you've all been back Mm -hmm. there where clearwater is we go there a lot but back there and it's it can be it's very muddy it's very (laughs) muddy and there's little little passageways boards that people have put down so that you can step on them but the times that i go down there and i have on like those wellies those big rubber boots i can just walk and be in nature and walk the dog and i don't think about the mud and i don't think about getting dirty it never even crosses my mind, but the days that I go down there with like my good sneakers on, the whole entire walk I spend distracted mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to step on a stick, trying to hop around by like, you know, the base of a tree. I'm so just I'm so focused on keeping my sneakers clean that I miss out on the actual walk and being in nature. And so having the right tools in my arsenal having spiritual practices that work for me, then I'm better prepared for whatever life throws me. So having the right footwear when I'm walking the dog creates this experience where I can just be, and I I actually, it's kind of fun to just like walk in the stream and the Mm -hmm. mud and everything because I know that I'm not ruining anything. So that's why spiritual practices are so important to have those, have the right equipment on. the next thing on the list is um, non being non judgmental. Do you guys find that you're judgmental? I've gotten a lot less judgmental just because you realize nobody knows the story behind 
anybody's life or yeah. what they're going through or what their day is like. Um, so, uh, you know, that's something I've become more aware of as, as I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remind my kids, too, because they're very quick <clears throat> to, you know, say, oh, well, I don't like that about this person. I said, well, you know what? They might, they might have had a bad day or gotten a bad grade in school and just get, cut them some slack. I'm like, just, just, I'm always trying to promote positive thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, you just, you just never know where somebody's coming from. Yeah. Jennifer, can I ask, has your mind, mindset shifted in terms of um, having more self-care for yourself? Because often, you know how they say, if we're judgmental on others, it's really just a reflection on how judgmental we are on ourselves. Have you found yourself being more, like, I, you know forgiving what, I, or? I, I don't even, I think I've had, because my kids are older, I, I have more time for myself, but I've always tried to maintain some type of care for myself. You know, I, I know we've talked about it before, but I exercise every morning. Um, so that, that, that just kickstarts my whole day for my mental, my mental state. Um, but I think having more time, because my kids have gotten older, um, I can spend a little bit more time on myself and and it just I feel like it just you know spews out to everything else in my yes. life um, where I can take the time to look and reflect and not be so judgmental about you know different people or things and just you know life experiences that, that I've gone through or that I have had personal um, experience with so, I don't, I try not to judge people. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, yeah, and that's an elevated thought process. I feel like I've become a lot less judgmental as I've gotten older and as I've become more confident of a person. Um, I feel that I would judge people because it, I needed to make myself feel better almost. Um, when, you know, and as I got older and as I just gained confidence for my of myself and of my life and all of that, um, I have a more of an open mind and definitely am less judgmental on people and give them more of the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Yeah, somebody in one of my groups the other day gave an example of uh, um, somebody at their hair salon that cuts hair and, and that the woman has, you know, got a lot of rings in her nose and earrings and, and a lot of tattoos and like maybe hair only like shaved on one side and just looks completely different. And she said that when her son was going to have his hair cut with this woman that she was like, wow, um, you know, she looks kind of scary. And she said that once she got to know her, she said she's the nicest person that I have ever met. And she said I was so wrong to make assumptions about her just by her appearance because she probably is just expressing herself like mm -hmm. as an art expression. But be, when people look different than, um, than us, we tend to judge them quickly. You know, you could walk down the street and you could size somebody up and say, um, you know, oh, well, he does this for a living. Or you, we make assumptions, I think, not even realizing that we are. You know, I remember my dad, my brother had long hair for a while, and my dad, um, this was when we were teenagers, and my dad said, before he sits down at Thanksgiving, I want you to cut his hair to me, you know, like in the basement. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, I'll pay you. <laughs> And he kept saying to him, you can't swim against stream, you've got to look like everyone else, or you'll make your life difficult, and and because people make assumptions about you, and, and what do you guys think about that? Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you see people out and about, and you react in maybe a fearful like, way? or No, I feel like that definitely comes from 
previous life experiences of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I am more judgmental on myself than I am anyone else. So I feel like I do need more self-care practices to be less harsh on myself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with other people, I don't know, I feel like I've been through things where I know that you don't know if somebody's had a bad day, you don't know what's going on at home, you don't know what's going on at work, you don't know what they've lived through, and I would never judge another person. Yeah, I love that. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's just catch that piece that you said, you're more judgmental on yourself, and that goes back to the whole reason that we're having this conversation to begin with, because it's so easy to offer compassion and kindness to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And especially as women, and especially as mothers, that we're constantly caring for people. I'm thinking about what am I going to feed from them for dinner? I'm not going to be home tonight. You know, what what am I going to leave them? I'll make sure they have a hot meal. And so I'm constantly, but but how am I caring for the self? And that's really what we're talking about here today. So that's an important noticing that be, go easy, be soft yeah. on yourself. I you feel know? like the last couple of years or the last year I've been working on that, but it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah. And that's why one of my favorite mantras for myself is, you are the beloved child of God. I do love that one. Yeah. And I feel like at times so I definitely can be, can be good and non-judgmental and feel great about myself. But at other times, you know, I guess when we don't have the yeah. self-care but the shift, that we But the shift go. happens, I think, with, with that is when I notice that I'm doing it and I catch myself and I say, well, why am I, why am I saying mm-hmm. that to myself right now, Pam? Like, what just happened? What triggered you? What made you feel that way? And when I notice it, then I have an understanding of what my triggers are and why do some days I feel great and I feel like I'm on top of the world and other days I beat myself up. And, you know, like I sort of felt a little bit of shame when I had that experience right. with, the, with the police the other day. I was embarrassed and, and, and kind of beat myself up. Like, oh, you right. should know better you know, type Absolutely. of Absolutely. I also think it's important to set reasonable expectations on yourself, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for instance, this year, my New Year's resolution is actually something I think I can keep because it's something that I feel I will enjoy. So this year I decided I want to um, feed my family healthier home-cooked meals, which means that, you know, my son is a very picky eater. Um, and so I always, I feel like I'm always making the same things. Um, and so I decided once a week, I'm going to just try a new recipe, something new. And if he doesn't eat it, he's not going to starve. He'll have a banana or something, yeah. you know. But um, but it, I think I, I will keep it because I will enjoy trying to cook new things. And then at the end of the day, my family's eating something new, something healthy. Um, so I set a realistic expectation for myself for my New Year's resolution this year. I never do that, and I never keep them usually. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an important noticing, too, because I think that that's why there's a lot of failure around New Year's resolutions right. is that the, this bigger expectation. But, and it's the same thing with these spiritual practices. Add something that resonates with you. Add something small that you can apply to something that you're already doing, and then things click and it works. And he loved the pork chops that, ch- pork chops that I made this week. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so let me uh, let me close us with this. Um, it says, "Judgment robs us with the ability to hear our inner guide. It's a way of conforming to what is commonly accepted, making it more likely that we ourselves will fi- will fit in and be accepted, or in essence, loved." The fear of not being loved and accepted can lead us to shun and reject others in an attempt to ensure that we are not shunned and rejected. 
By living this way, we are submitting to the ebb and flow of the conscious, of the consensus rather than living with a conscious intention for what we want our lives to be. When you're free from self-judging, you create a spirituality that is freeing. Um, so thanks for listening in on a couple of these. And I think that we're going to do like a be, to be continued. And so in the next podcast, we're going to talk about regular acts of compassion. So we'll see you then. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.